0: so wonderful to see everyone i'm really excited about our content as we uh continue to unpack the preliminary sutras uh so i'm going to spend a little bit of time recapping um just to get us all on the same page because it was i think it was pretty dense material and uh pretty powerful and um uh, sort of going back through i have a little bit of more uh, a little bit more resources to add into the discussion um and then it'll lead up to a little bit of free writing. Hopefully they have a pen and and paper nearby. Um, Always good idea. And then of course some discussion. So uh, thanks Anandama, for posing a couple questions on Marco Polo, that was awesome. Such a great resource for us all. If anybody starts to feel that inspiration flowing, I really enjoyed having a moment in the middle of my day where I got to like work with it and contemplate. Um, That was like a treat for me, so thanks. but yeah, let's let's sort of review. Let's just take a glance back at at the material that sort of starts um the beginner bar up to I don't know, you could say like a a shocking start. Right. Um and I'm just going to be sort of glossing over some of the material that we did yesterday. So, it starts by Parvati asking Shiva a really straightforward question. Um Shiva What is the real essence of the way we have to tread? And Swami Lakshmanju takes a moment to say, hey, that's literally how it's written. What is the essence of the way we have to march or to tread on this path, on the path? She names quite a few um, practices and techniques, some simple, some really complex, and says, Shiva, of all these techniques, what's the one? And then the shocking answer from Shiva that I think Bob got to read last week, which was fun, was Shiva says, um, well, actually, first, he says, this is the question, the question of questions um, that you put me for me. And he adds, you must conceal this answer. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, Two things there that someone asking what's the best way to practice what's the way to practice how do we know if we're doing it right and he says that's the question on everyone's mind okay first i thought that was interesting okay so for all of time people have really wondered about that but then the second thing is why why must this answer that he's about to give us be concealed and um for those of you who here last week or watched the recording you know the answer was sort of shocking um, and I think that that kind of shocking answer that he's about to give us um, is something that uh, only a real practitioner uh, would understand. You know, somebody who's really put in the time. Uh, because to say, which is what he's about to say, that no techniques are the right technique, would be a little like um, startling to someone who who hasn't really tasted anything beyond technique. Do you know what I mean? So it's almost like how Babaji tells us when someone asks for a nickel, give them a nickel um, instead of giving them a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars, whatever this answer would um, sort of represent. So the answer that we must conceal, you can figure that one out on your own is that no matter what the technique looks like, whether it divides or whether it multiplies, you know, it's just sort of a way of saying no matter what the technique looks like, uh, he says, it's all bogus, an expansion of illusion, an imaginary city in the sky. And so that was sort of the jarring moment. Um, and Parvati then responds, as we all would in that moment, well, then why are there so many techniques in all the sutras and the dharnas and the tantras? Why are they filled with techniques if they're all bogus? and shiva's reply was pretty simple he said you know techniques help focus a scattered mind techniques are good for people who are like doozers who need goals and uh, techniques and rules keep us out of trouble before we can totally understand what's going on you know for example you move into the ashram you might not understand the the big picture of why it's structured like it is but you just sort of go you sort of follow the rules um and it shapes you and it grows you and and eventually, you sort of have that vision, you know? And then, for example, for someone like Babaji and Faith, they can adapt and and mold those rules, you know as the times change or as the people that are in the ashram require as the students require. Um but until then, you sort of just need need the structure. So we have all these reasons uh, of why we might need techniques. and then i I wanted to pull in a, a couple of extra um resources this week um and so one is from the guru gita and others from the shiva sutras and so as i was saying shoshone would you mind unmuting and giving us a read on these can we go to gallery for a second just to make sure it's good okay can you hear me yeah i can um yeah i can hear you go for it great okay so guru gita verse 53 long and windy pranayamas bring disease asanas can become painful and hard attain that spontaneous natural state where the powerful breath rises and is stilled immediately of its own accord oh cool and yeah go for it with the shiva sutra 2.2 and then i'll we'll recap both of them shiva sutra 2.2 says the effort of meditation must not be artificial Akita. It must be absolutely natural, filled with intense desire and fervent longing and originating from the center of your heart. Excellent. So take a moment to just sit with those So maybe you've glanced at that uh, verse in the Gita. Anybody sort of, yeah, you've seen it. Yeah. Okay. I see some hands. Cool. The idea is that um, even something that's supposed to cure us from disease, such as pranayama, can be done with a lot of doership and that can actually can create a lot of tension. Um, And so, or, or asanas. Asanas are meant to balance the body. But if you get too um, compounded on the technique of it, if that's all you're seeing, eventually it might lead to imbalance. Um, and so the Gita in this case says, you know, seek that natural state, that spontaneous state that sort of occurs on its own accord. And so we're sort of encouraged to not be bound by the technique. And then in Shiva Sutra 2.2, we are reminded that um, the real effort of meditation balances these two things. It must be absolutely natural, yet filled with intense desire and fervent longing, yet originating from the heart, right? Just back and forth, a balancing of natural yet effort, effortless effort. So everywhere we look in, in our tradition, We seem to be reminded of this and really isn't that the whole essence of the word non dualism, you know, the idea that, yes, we're in this world and we have to learn how to be in this world, but that can't be where we stop. We're not going to reject the world. There is this dualistic reality that we're all a part of, but there's something more to it that we're seeking. So we're going to keep seeing this, and Shiva is taking a lot of time right here at the get-go to make sure that the dharnas that come after this um, don't get mistaken for just mere more more mind stuff, right, more techniques. All right, and that brought us to sort of our last little recap moment here, which was the story about the Bonzo sword, and uh, I won't, go through the whole story again but boy aren't stories delicious aren't aren't those fun to do isn't it just like you're like oh life's so easy when i'm listening to a story um so maybe i'll recap it a little but basically this guy wants to learn how to be a, a master swordsman and the teacher notices that he has all the qualities that we were talking about earlier all the qualities that that signify someone's about to get lost in technique he wants to do it quickly he wants to see how fast he can learn it he wants to do it on his terms and he wants to only learn about swordsmanship so the teacher's like yeah that's he he sees that this isn't going to work and he says oh that's going to take you 10 years and the student's like no way and he's like oh well then it'll take you 30 years and the student's like what and he goes 50 years you know, and the guy's like, oh, okay, okay, I'll do it how you want me to learn swordsmanship, you know. And basically, to me, it sounded like almost like moving into the ashram. You move into the ashram, you think, I want to be enlightened. And what do you do? You work in the garden, you do dishes, you make beds, you weed the bamboo, you water the cacao, you do all these things that don't appear on the surface to be leading to enlightenment. You know, it's the karate kid kind of mentality. Wax on, wax off. And uh, three years into this, his teacher, he's, he's this guy's washing a dish and he's like, man, am I ever going to learn how to be a swordsman? And his teacher jumps out from behind him and whacks him with a huge wooden sword. And the guy's like, ah, what was that? And the guy's gone. The teacher's gone. Bonzo splits. And then the next day he's like weeding in the garden. And the teacher jumped out of a tree and whacks him with another wooden sword and then he runs off um and so the story goes that this student eventually had to learn how to find his center in any situation that he couldn't become dependent on any one technique in order to find his center and that that was his source of growth that's how his teacher taught him and so for the last year plus, you know, Babaji has been emphasizing for all of us, like, release technique, release doership, yet find your center, you know. And so that story of the taste of Bonzo's sword, you know, is there to sort of uh, remind us that um, you technique itself is not the problem. It's, become, it's becoming dependent upon technique. It's losing sight of the goal that we're really trying to avoid. We need technique, we need structure, but we also need to reach beyond it when we're capable of doing so, right? So that brought us to the the metaphor that concluded class, which was the idea of technique being the sugar coating on the medicine. Lakshman Jiu gave us just this sort of concept that technique is the sugar coating that helps us take the medicine of the present the medicine of growth of our practice and that we need it, but not to get too dependent upon it. Um, like I was saying, Anonima posted some great questions on Marco Polo that I look forward to addressing right now, but I wanted to just set us up with a free write opportunity uh, based on how this may be affected you over the week, or if this is the first time you're hearing it, going with that. Um, and so the free write uh, quite simply is based on what we've already heard. How does this knowledge This knowledge, the stuff we just learned about, help you understand the role of technique in your practice. How do you experience, and this is really important, I I really want to emphasize, how do you experience the difference between technique and the goal? Not know the difference, but can you feel the difference? That's I'd love to hear about that. And does this experience, over here, or knowledge, does this, has this, helped you avoid doership or dive more deeply into your heart. Um, and so that is the, the, the free write opportunity. As I've done before, I'd like to lead just one minute of practice to give us all a, a chance to actually taste something and then to write from that space. Um, so feel free to just adjust your seat for a moment. Mm-hmm. And we'll take a moment and, and feel the first technique that we're always presented with in, in these teachings is deceit. So allow yourself to rock a little from left to right. And as Paul Reps taught in the teaching the, the, what that we cited last week, you rock from left to right. And as you find your center, you center. See if you can notice that. So, you used a technique to find your physical center, but then did that experience bring you to another center? So it's not like you would just rock back and forth to keep finding your center over and over and over again. Once you arrive, now what? And so this this next layer is presented, the breath. The breath can take you towards the heart. As Babaji has been telling us recently, inhale allow the breath to help you find the heart. And as you exhale... Allow the space of the heart to expand. Allow yourself to deeply surrender. That's the technique. There's a pathway. There's a structure. And it helps. But the actual experience... Goes way beyond those simple instructions. How do you actually get your heart to expand on that exhale? It's you can't just say expand on exhale. It doesn't quite happen. So what do you really do? This is the medicine, the medicinal aspect, the surrender. And just to give us a little bit more to chew on, repeat mantra silently with your inhale and with your exhale. No matter what mantra it is, just find the inhale and exhale, repeat it. Now, the technique is the repetition of this mantra. But the experience we're seeking, where's that? Are you repeating the mantra just to repeat the mantra? And if not, if there's something more to it, what is that more and how do you access it? Hopefully, the mantra lets you or allows you to release tension and to open. That's the medicine. And so from this space, we'll take two minutes to write. Remember, free writing is about um, unabridged. You know, you want to let yourself just write from your feeling um, and try to express something that's real for you. You don't have to have a long exposition. Just go right into like describe your experience to yourself. I'm going to put those drums back on. Finishing the thought that you're on. Taking a moment to reread what you wrote, sort of respect the process. Underlining a keyword or phrase that stands out to you, and sharing that in the chat box if possible. Attitude, spacious, surrender, connected, flow, doership dissolves. A throb in the heart that the mind can't describe. Joy rising. Oh. Curious and almost curious and observant it's there energy takes over all right so from the floor up for some discussion can i see a hand for somebody elaborating on their keyword or phrase otherwise i'll act like you raised your hand and call on you anyway Marcella actually raise your hand by the way. Okay, go for it.
1: Um yeah, what, surrender was the big thing that was coming up for me when we were uh sitting where it was like applying the technique of the seat and the breath and then the mantra like really helped to focus the mind but then i had like surrender as the final key that really like takes you there it was like at that point that, that i could just feel like the heart opening and then as soon as the mind starts to click back in again it's like the heart kind of like zips back up and then it's like that surrender again that helps to like just releasing it all is what really is like the last the last step that's needed to make the to
0: really feel the heart expand and open nice just sitting with that yeah i mean when you said the it's the the final key um that really sort of hit home because it it really is there is a there's a a technique that we need and then it takes us to a certain point and then that last step is of, of surrendering the technique is actually a part of the technique. You know, it might not be said in every single one, every time we teach something or, or, or read something, but it seems like Babaji says, you get in the vehicle, takes you to the mountaintop and then getting out of the vehicle would be the final part of why that vehicle existed. You know, so that's really, I like how you sort of brought that, um, that sort of element of step-by-step aspect to it. And I can't help but ask, because you're an ultra runner, and I'm fascinated by the concept, you know, um, if if this kind of if this sort of follows you into your work, you know, when you're running, if there's a sense of like a balance of technique and letting go of technique, I mean, to run a hundred miles it seems like it would require you to sort of really figure that one out,
1: yeah, for sure, because I work a lot on on running form. Um, because it's such a repetitive motion that, you know, if I'm, my form is off, then you know, I'll be injured after so many steps in like an incorrect way. So yeah, I do a lot of work on form, which is really like a lot of like mm. really thinking about where my body's moving, very like detail oriented. But if I'm like focusing so hard in that way for so many hours, it's like my brain can't do it. It's not fun. It's not mm. joyful. So it's like, yeah, there is like that time and that place to really like hone in on the, the movement and then to just kind of release and let your body like mm-hmm. absorb what you've done and just like move freely. So the, yeah, that's a really, really important mm-hmm. part of it.
0: Thanks. That makes so much sense. It's like, and that's, it's so practical. It's like, hey, yeah, we really need this. And then we really need to let go of it or else it's going to like collapse the whole system. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. If anyone has any, you know, follow-ups to that, or if you want to go in a different direction, now's the time. And um, we can figure it out. If y'all want to make comments, I can mute here too. Sure, Nanima.
1: So I'm going a little different, but I listened to the recording of last week's class, and during the meditation, you talked about a shoehorn.
0: Oh, right, it just came out. I remember that.
1: You know what, Bill? Well, I really used that all this week during my practice, like hmm. just like using the shoehorn to slip into the shoe, using the shoehorn of the mantra to slip into nice the essence of it. I thought it was brilliant.
0: Oh, cool! I when I said that, I was like, "Why did I? Where did that come from?" But thanks for sharing. I'm so glad that was helpful. Yeah. The shoehorn. Yeah. The idea of really treating it like a tool to get something else accomplished. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes it'd be so funny to get lost in technique. Like imagine if you were a gardener and you like put all this work into like weeding and fertilizing and never pulled the radish up when it was ready to be pulled. You just kept fertilizing and weeding and watering and just never harvested you know, that'd be like, you'd you'd, you'd be like, wow, that's crazy. That's, that's uh, really imbalanced. That's really odd. It's, I don't understand why, but then we do that. We like breathe harder, do more mantra. And we're just like, nope, there's nothing to harvest here. Just keep doing this thing. Don't, you know, and I get it. You know, you're not supposed to, Baba says, don't pull up the roots of the thing and check on it all the time. But I think we're trying to find that balance. Cool. Yeah, Yogita.
2: Well, what I experienced when I was contemplating this is that it's like I I use the technique and then I said the energy takes over. uh, After I'm I'm doing the circle of breath, the energy takes over and then you just bask Mm. in that energy. So it's a point that you get to the The mm. thing of it, the challenge of it is is to stay in that point, mm-hmm. because then you go back to doing things and go back to the technique, mm. know, but to be able to stay, yeah, in that space,
0: yeah. and uh, and I'm remembering, you know the very last sutra, the Shiva sutras, the the last sentence of the last sutra was all about, or maybe the whole last sutra was about um, that our practice is to sort of find that center, eventually lose it and then re-find it, lose it and re-find it. And it was a way of just saying like, this is not a sign that you've really lost anything. This is actually how this thing works. You know, because I think if you're anything like me, Yogita, it's like, you sort of worry about you might worry about losing that center or it might feel like you did something wrong that your your mind's drifting and you're not back in the heart and you're not in that expansive space but as far as i can tell and you know anybody wants to comment on it um it's almost like no that's actually the way it's going to happen like this idea of like staying there permanently is um well I guess that's you know the anupaya, the 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 upaya that's beyond all means, the the place we arrive. But for those of us who are using means, which would be all of us, uh we can expect to gain that center and then to lose it and then to regain it. And whoever is willing to do that more will will grow more. Right. But I think, yeah, so I'll leave it at that. So thanks, Yogi to those nice to bring up that point was anybody alarmed by this concept was it i i I will raise my hand and just say i was like it felt like every practice i did there was this sugar and medicine concept that i didn't realize was there Like I didn't even like you just take so much for granted. Like you look at a deity and you're like, of course, that is I'm going to focus on a deity and and work here and meditate on this deity. And you just like sort of go, Yeah, it's right there. There's the deity, and that's what I'm gonna do. And you don't realize, like, well, that deity is really just a doorway, a sugar coating, a, a means, a technique, a tool, a vehicle what are you really doing? Because that that really was a wake up call for me. Like I was telling you last week, that whole puja, I was like, geez, every single thing I'm, I'm doing is really symbolic. Like if there's nothing happening here, then I'm just literally like waving candles and offering rice. But I mean, yeah, to me, I was, I was realizing how much, how easy it is to like, um, almost your whole practice can almost take place on this sugarcoating level, if we don't, if you don't like take note of it. Sure. You
2: know, uh, one of the questions you have is, can you hear me? Yeah. Does it help you? Does it help you avoid doership? Hmm. Um, I teach a lot of yoga classes. That's mostly how I try to share with people what i do as a yogi and one of the things that i've been working on lately is gratitude with for myself and for you know the students that come and at the beginning there is this doership right there's this oh i like socks that i put on my feet today i appreciate the backdrop of the foothills and there's a little dog park and puppies are playing and 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 they, you know, and I try to find things that we feel gratitude for. But then at some point, we or I let go of the gratitude of the things, little items coming up, and then just feel the
3: Mm
2: -hmm. gratitude without form. So, yeah, there's for me, there's doership. (laughs) Um, But it does help me dive more deeply into my heart when I can cultivate that let go of it and then stay with the feeling.
3: Hmm.
0: Yeah, it's a great example. I would say that's you know, one of the strongest examples I think that we like people that each of us has probably encountered because in that one practice it's so specific, like start with these things, find these things and then at some point transition and because it's sort of presented to us as like, oh, this whole thing's the gratitude practice, you sort of go, oh, that's a part of the gratitude practice. But it's rare that we might apply that concept to other like practices like mantra or even working with our heart or a murti or a puja that you would start with this, with this but you would eventually, there would be a transition in there somewhere. Yeah, gratitude is a great example. It's hard to put words to that transition. Like to really describe like what it is you do differently in that second phase or even in the transition. It's really hard to put words to it's that's sort of why I felt like it was like a wake up call because I just I feel like we might even do that transition and not even know but sometimes just having the the text point to it suddenly like aware like oh wow i didn't realize that was a part of every practice And Anandama, I know you had a question on Marco Polo that I said I would address tonight. Did you still feel that question about the idea of like, can you just take the medicine straight without the sugar? Does that still interest you or how's that going?
1: Well, I think you've kind of answered it.
0: Oh, okay, cool.
1: Today, so thank
0: you. Right on. Yeah, I think essentially the upayas are structured so that there's a little less sugar coating on the Shambhava upaya, if 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 at all and that would represent really just you know being in the practice and not needing a lot of external support a shakti upaya would be sort of that middle ground you know where there's a little bit of support and a little bit without and then the uh, nava upaya would be you know where there's a lot of support um and um i think it's important that we we never really like try to manipulate how much sugar coating we're doing with our practice but rather just try to just connect and um something that your question inspired in me and made me realize was like you don't we don't want to like uh push away the sugar coating we don't we it it's it's like if it's there use it absorb it transcend and connect um but that it's not really something that we have to decide on i think the upayas we just magically move through them as we practice we're not having to like say which upaya am i in how should i be practicing but rather it's like we just got to use the practice we're given that we're being presented with and just use it and go towards the goal with it and just let it fall away um but that was just something i wanted to mention in reference to your question about like um, whether we can just take the medicine directly and it's like yes but always check in with how you feel. Because if you need a little sugar coating, we should give it to ourselves. Sure. Uh, Anju, you can finish up our, our session discussion session.
3: Yeah, thanks, Hatcha. Something that you were just saying. I was like trying to find words or seeing what was coming up and it really kind of hit to my experience. It's the idea of not needing to worry about it. And I think that's why for me this has felt so joyful. Cause like, I feel like, you know, prior prior to us like discussing so much like we have throughout this year about sort of like letting go of that doership, it was so much focus ended up on being whether or not I was like doing something correctly or help you know, I got kind of got stuck in my head with technique a lot. And so this has really helped me just let go of needing to understand or do anything with it it's like just kind of have some faith lean into it and trust it's going to take you where it needs to go yeah it's okay when you really need you know to kind of dig into that effort a little bit to get there it's okay when you don't it's not really about that and that's been really joyful for me to sort of be able to just kind of lean in and trust that I'm going to get to where I need to go and that I'm not in it by myself and it's
0: not really about me thanks Anju that's really inspiring um I love that it sort of brings up these feelings of of like this like you said joyful um almost like it's supposed there's supposed to be a little bit of a leap of faith and that's what makes makes it this creative experience and like if you're learning an instrument you know just like just just trust your ear and just let yourself play every now and then and just let yourself feel, you know, and enjoy that process, whether or not you hit the right note. Um, but like that, that that's a part of what makes meditation in a way exciting. I mean, think about it. We're about to meditate together. Um, like there's the possibility that you will just like let yourself go you know, and that you should sort of look forward to it, and that it's really hard to do that. Like if I was to say, like, you know, just open your heart right now, it'd be like you'd you'd be like having to jump, you know, it'd be like trying to jump up two or three stories. But when you start meditate, you know, when you start getting your seat and your breath and everything, suddenly then you can. A little bit of effort could actually take you to that experience if you're willing to sort of let it. So I think that's a great spot for us to transition. So please shuffle around in your seat, uh, adjust your seat, get ready for, for practice. And we'll once again start with that Paul Reps-inspired approach to stillness in our seat, which is, you know, balance is a part of everyone's life and shifting from left to right. You can notice that balance might be this external technique, but it also has internal rewards. That when you find yourself sitting equally left, right, forward and back. Something in you centers. And that is sort of what allows you to. Move into the next kosha, the next layer of our awareness, the breath. You know, it's. These doorways, these vehicles that lead to the next vehicle. And the breath itself can also be balanced. As the Guru Gita told us earlier, you know, we should seek that spontaneous breath that rises and falls of its own accord. That can be very challenging at first, so the simplest technique is to gently, very, very gently, to guide your breath, to smooth it out, to make it about the same length in as it is out. And right away, the mind might drift and you have to go right back to, okay, smoothing out the breath, making it even in length. But you can also sort of arrive there and be like, I'm watching my breath. This is going pretty well. And you can try to use a little less effort, a little less technique. Not no technique, but less. Allowing the breath to move a little bit more on its own. And to support you in this, you can use mantra. It should help you feel the breath each time you breathe. But just like the breath, you can repeat the mantra very lightly, as lightly as you can remain focused. is where the breath and the mantra are leading us is to the heart. They're not leading us in circles. They're leading us inwards. So, what does your heart really feel like? Allow your awareness to be drawn towards the heart as you inhale, and as you exhale, allow the space of your heart, the space of that awareness to expand As the mind drifts, technique pulls you back. As you're able to remain centered for repetitions of breath or mantra, you start to go in. You don't have to stay at the surface of the technique. What's beyond the technique is unique to your experience. It can't be described or told to you. Find the balance. If you need more technique, use it. For example, having the eyes open with the gaze soft. Breathing a little bit with more effort. Sitting a little taller. Find your balance. And then go into it. A little bit of sugar that I add to my technique is a slight smile. I find that it keeps everything going up. At any point in your practice, you can come back to the technique. You can put your energy and your awareness there and know that it's going in the right direction. And once you feel momentum, you feel yourself going in that direction, then you can start to soften we can finish with a little bit of gratitude at the heart, because it's such a fitting practice that helps us see the difference between technique and goal. And just think of one or two things that you're grateful for, maybe today or this week. They have to actually mean something to you. They don't have to be big or small, just meaningful. And then feel the transition. Feel why we do this. And it's okay if it feels a little effortful. You know, every day is different. But as long as you know that there's another another half to that practice, a half that actually means you feel grateful, then you get it. You can let the hands just open right there at the heart, imagining a flower opening there. right, namaste. Thanks everyone for your focus and attention. Um, Next week, we're going to be, uh, I'm gonna just say we're gonna be finishing the preface to Rava because there's another half to it. And we're gonna be looking at the sutra or the the text directly. And I'm pretty excited because it's a really rich text. And uh, so if you'd like to read ahead, remember the resources are available um you know where where you get the the recordings on konalanayoga.org click on practices podcast go to podcasts and you'll see a link for the text but we'll also have them on the screen here as we go Um, i'll stay behind for any questions or comments but thanks again have a great weekend